you take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12, please. Romans 12 in your Bibles. I want to talk to you today about knowing where you're going and knowing the important step that you need to take before you get there. Let me share with you a quote that I uh, went, that I reviewed this past week. I was listening to an expert speak, and this struck me. He said 80 to 90% of all of the psychoschematic illnesses, alcoholism, and drug addiction is caused by people who have no sense of direction in their life. Let me read that for you again. 80 to 90% of all the psychosomatic illnesses, alcoholism, and drug addiction is caused by people who have no sense of direction in their life. He's talking about people who don't know where they're going. And that really is sad because the men and women of this earth are built with a curiosity to know what their purpose is. The question, why do I exist? Is there something greater than what I'm experiencing in this life? And it's such an important question to ask because honestly, if you do not know where you are going, then any road will do to get you there, right? It can be difficult in this world for us to not know where we're going. Sometimes people are just trying things and they're wondering what will work. Uh, it's the opening day of hunting season for us today, and I heard a story recently that made me kind of smile about a couple hunters. The guys were out in the woods, and all of a sudden, one of the guys stopped his buddy and said, hey, hang on there for one second. And he took his gun out and walked out in the woods and just went, blam, 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 blam! And then he turned to his buddy and he said, ooh, I hope something good runs into that. Wouldn't that be great? Well, of course, that's not how it works, right? You can't just shoot into the air and hope something gets hit. And yet, how many Christians will walk in their, in their world and they're busy doing things, busy doing this and this and this, and they have failed to talk about the very first thing that God wants us to do before we get busy. The Apostle Paul makes a pivot now in the book of Romans. We've already studied chapters 1 through 11, where we have seen all of the deep teaching about salvation, grace, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the promise that we will never be alone, wonderful forgiveness, and that not one person in that church is any better than another. And so it has been deep, deep waters for 11 chapters now in the book of Romans. And now we get into the practical part of the book of Romans. And if you're like me, you love the practical. Sometimes we just kind of, we get tired of all the foundational work and we say, hey, cut to the chase. Let me know what I'm supposed to do. But there's a danger in jumping ahead into Romans 12, 13, 14, and 15 and seeing all these things that God tells brothers and sisters in Christ to be doing for one another there's a danger if we do not get one step before those steps. And we find it in the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. All men and women are searching for purpose. They're searching for meaning in life. And what we'll see in God's word today is that for the believer, as we seek for purpose, 
As we look for these different things we're going to keep our life busy with, there is a starting point that Paul tells us and God wants us to have before we get busy. And all those things are going to be a response. A response to the mercies of God. All that to bring us to Romans chapter 12 here. It's your turn. Finally, it's my turn. That's what we're waiting for, right? Have you ever been in the long lines these days? The lines in the grocery stores are crazy long these days. And sometimes when you're next, it just feels good. When it's your turn. We've been in a deep study of Romans, and now it's your turn to do something. And as we look, we need to be very, very careful not to put the cart before the horse. And it's going to be very, very clear what God wants us to do first. And let me go ahead and tell you what the response, the first response should be. Now, you're going to need to be doing this, these areas of service that he talks about. But before we get to these, the Apostle Paul has something else in mind. If you're taking notes, the first thing that I see here in our text is the presentation of our bodies. The presentation of our bodies. Look in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so now Paul is going to appeal. He uses the word therefore, and that's referring back to the first 11 chapters. All these deep and incredible teachings about God's grace and salvation that we enjoy. And on the heels of that, he now says, Therefore, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. And then Paul drags us back into some Old Testament language. Did you see it there? He brings back this idea of sacrifice. Old Testament priesthood sacrifice. That's what that's the verbiage that he uses there. But there's one difference. Because he's not telling us that he wants us to bring some more dead sacrifices. It's not a dead sacrifice, but what kind of a sacrifice does Paul tell us to be? He tells us to be a living sacrifice. And you have to grab a hold of this idea because it is different. There was something that was very predictable in the Old Testament about those Old Testament sacrifices. They would bring those animals... They would kill the animals and they would drain the blood out of them. And then they would take that dead animal and they would put it up on the altar. And very, very predictable, they would go ahead and make that offering to the Lord. And it would stay there until it was all burnt up. And the Apostle Paul makes an addition here, doesn't he? He changes something. Instead of a dead sacrifice, he says that you and I are to be a living sacrifice. Now, I'll just let you know in my own experience, as a living sacrifice, I am not near as predictable as a dead sacrifice. You see, that dead sacrifice, when they were to kill that animal and go and put it on the altar, there weren't too many surprises that were going to take place. They burnt it up. But you're called to be a living sacrifice. And you and I, as we live, are not near as predictable. Because what happens to us is we're convicted about following God, we want to live our life in the best, that we, best way that we can. And so we come across the passage like Romans 12.1. And we say, you know what, God? I want to be a living sacrifice for you. And so we go and we put ourselves on the altar as a living sacrifice. 
But here's where the problem comes in. Since we're not a dead sacrifice, we're a living sacrifice, there's a tendency for those of us who are still alive and want to get on that altar. Here's what the tendency is. We tend to wiggle off of that altar, right? I got up there. That's what I wanted. God's watching me. But then I get distracted by something. Something shiny over there takes my attention. Or something that looks appealing calls for me, and so I wiggle off of that. And so God is going to want us to be constantly reminding ourselves an ongoing, living sacrifice. The struggle that that is that we tend to squirm off the altar. And when we bring a sacrifice, God wants us to bring our best. Can I ask you today, are you giving your best to the Lord? We're going to find some very clear descriptive words that God wants to describe your life and how you give yourself to Him. Are you giving the very best of yourself? Or are you just giving what you really don't miss that much? It happens every once in a while that there will be a food drive somewhere in the community. Um, it's happened before that my kids will be aware of some kind of a, a food drive and they're asking people to bring food in, donate it to needy families or for some kind of a cause. Now, I wonder if you've ever had the experience of someone in your house and they needed to collect some food for a food drive and so they go to the pantry and they pick out some food that they think will be very well received. I've got some Campbell's chicken noodle soup here. How many of you like Campbell's chicken noodle soup? Raise your hand. Well, sure, you guys would take this, wouldn't you? Of course you would. Sometimes the parents will sneak in, and when they know we're giving food away, and we're not sure who it's going to, or what kind of a cause this is, we might step in and we might start to give some suggestions instead of the Campbell's chicken noodle soup. In fact, we might open up the pantry and say, well, let's be a little more creative here and take a look at what we have. And for some of you, you might even open up your pantry and you might find something like this. Now, for those of you in the back that can't read, this is not spam. It actually says spam light. So in case spam wasn't good for you, this isn't even as good as that. 50% less fat, 50% less sodium, 50% fewer calories, and 50% less taste is what spam light has. And if this was in my pantry and we were having an opportunity to get rid of some food, I would encourage whoever was taking it, hey, you know what, why don't you just go ahead and give, give them this? You know, beggars can't be choosers, right? It's free. They won't complain about it. Beggars can't be choosers. Just give them that. What's the worst that can happen? And I don't think for any of us that if we were standing there and God asked, what are you going to give to me? I don't think any of us would be so bold as to give him the thing that we want the least out of our cabinet. And yet sometimes, because we don't have to say it out loud, that's exactly what we do. Too often, the living sacrifice that God calls you and I to, we give something that we would not even give to someone who needed a good meal. God wants you to take this seriously. He wants you to be a living sacrifice, not do spring cleaning out of your pantry. He wants something that means something to you. Now look at the last two words in verse number one, where it calls it spiritual worship. If I were to do a word association game with you, and if I were to say one word and ask you to say the first word that comes to your mind, and I use this last word in verse number one, worship, some of you would automatically have the idea of 
music or singing. But we have to understand that the Apostle Paul, when he writes this here, this is your spiritual worship, he's not talking at all about music. That's not what he's referring to. And this is key for you to understand the first step. The first step before you're going to do B, C, D, E, F, G, all these things he's going to tell us later on in Romans, the first thing that you have to do is you have to worship. You need to have a response in your life to all the things that God has done for you, and it must be worship. Your whole life as holy and acceptable unto God. A common mistake that some people make is, is they think they need to keep getting things in their Christian life to reach that next level. Where actually Paul tells us the opposite here. You don't need to get things. What you actually need to be doing is you need to be giving things to reach that next level. And the first thing that God wants you to give is he wants you to give worship. Yes, we join together for corporate worship. You will sing. We will rejoice. I love hearing someone that can pick out a harmony part and sing it. And that's a blessing. But you are not prepared to corporately worship unless you have already privately worshipped. Understanding what God did for you. Responding back to his mercy. And so first of all, what we see here is the response to God's mercy is that we daily allow our lives to be totally given over to whatever his purpose might be. And then we get some detail. Next we find the transformation of our minds. The transformation of our minds in this living sacrifice. Look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so here we find something that we're not supposed to do and something that we're supposed to do. Let's focus on these just for a moment. Paul says, first of all, don't be conformed to this world. I need to let you know that you, as a follower of God, living in this present world, if you are not intentional about not allowing yourself to get shaped to get molded into this present world, then that is going to become who you are. Do not be conformed to this world. That's not something that you have to be really active about to become conformed in a way that God doesn't want you. In fact, this is a daily fight. A daily fight that we have to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves, our lives in any way to be falling to a place that is not our best for God. He says, do not be conformed to this world. J.B. Phillips gives us a great, um, uh, some great commentary as he translates the Bible here, where he says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And that's what will happen if you're not intentional about giving your best to God. So he says, don't be conformed. And then he tells us what to do. But instead, be transformed. Again, this is something that's very intentional. You have to be one who is constantly working on transforming yourself by the renewing of your mind. And what is it that God has given us that allows us to renew our mind? Some of you had it right on your lap. God's Word. God has given us His Word so that while we're in this present world that is an enemy of our God, so much in this world was to pull us away from him. He has given us his word to help us so that we can be intentional about transforming our minds. 
<clears throat> behind our house, we have an area of, of brush and this river down there, so it overflows uh, with water quite often, and the weeds and the brush grow very, very fast. And we like to try to keep that cleared as much as possible, but I find I can hardly keep up with it. I mean, if I just let it go a few weeks, there are some, there are some weeds and brush that grow 10 feet high sometimes. So I will, on a regular basis, get some of these uh, loppers out, and I'll get a little saw, I'll go out and I'll do some work out there, and I'll knock down that brush, and I'll grab it by the handful, and I'll drag it way out back so that we have a nice view of that pretty meadow area. But I find myself, every time I go to clear out that brush, and I'm working, and I'm getting sweaty, and I become covered with the dirt and the different things from what I'm cutting down, I find myself, every time I do that job, when I am done, there's one thing that I immediately want to do. After I'm in there and working and filthy and stuff's on your face and all over you, the first thing that I always want to do when I'm done is I want to go in and I want to wash all that filth off of me. I can't wait to get it all off of me. It's just so, it's so gross. It doesn't belong there. And the Word of God has a cleansing effect when you are walking in this present world. You walk in this world, and it is a world that is full of corruption. And if you are not intentional, then this world is going to get its filth all over you. And so God has given us his word so that it has a cleansing effect. Now, what would you think if I went and I did a whole bunch of that work in the back, clearing out the brush, and I was covered with dirt and junk and grime? Now let's say it was Monday, but my bath day is Saturday. What would you think if I waited a good six or seven days before I got all washed up after that? I know, you, I know what you think. You think gross. Why would you do that? Why would you allow yourself to be so filthy dirty for several days? And why would you allow you back in the house? Well, how does that happen? The same thing applies when we walk in this world and you cannot help but touch the corruption but have it all around you. You need this every day to wash over you. It will renew your mind. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. The Bible has a cleansing effect. And so make a daily choice not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by God's word. And then finally, we get to look at something that's very exciting for several of you. Some of you will be talking about this in the upcoming weeks and the upcoming months. Number three, the confidence of knowing God's will. God gives us a beautiful little pattern here for knowing better the will of God. Look at the second half of Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If it's not the most asked question that I've been asked from Christians, it's got to be in the top five. How do I know what God's will is for my life? It can be a big decision that we are facing. It might be something small. And yet we oftentimes ask this same question. What is God's will for this area in my life? Or someone that I care for and I'm close to and I'm praying for them. We pray for God's will. For them. And beautifully, in this command of worship, 
So before we're going to get busy serving others, exercising our spiritual gifts, God wants us to worship. And in this command of worship, beautifully, we find some direction that tells us what the will of God is. Look at the descriptive words for what a living sacrifice is. If you're going to say today, I'm going to put myself on the altar, I'm going to be a living sacrifice, these words should describe you. Good. Acceptable. And perfect. How can you have confidence today that your life is a living sacrifice? Well, aim to make today acceptable. I can give you a little sample prayer for you to use. It's a great way to start the day. But if you can just picture your life and the hours that you have ahead after you get up as kind of a blank sheet of paper. Can you imagine that? Maybe you're a morning person and you get up and have your coffee or do some reading or maybe uh, listen to some music. Imagine a blank piece of paper and you can start the day like this. God, my life today is a blank sheet of paper and I want you to fill in that day however you want. Don't allow anything to get in the way. Don't allow anything that you don't want to be written on that page to get there today, God. God, take my life as a blank piece of paper for you to fill in the details. This is how we can pray. This is what we can do. Now let me go ahead and get a little more specific for us. I brought the offering plates up here today, and um, I wanted to just talk about you as a living sacrifice. I'm not going to pass the offering plate. Don't get too nervous, all right? Uh, but I wanted to give you a challenge for something that you might consider putting in the offering plate that maybe you haven't thought too much about before. You see, when we look at God and when we look at the challenge that he gives us, there's something that all of us have that we can give. Do I have your attention? Every one of you has something that you can give. And yet oftentimes, I think if we could go and do a review and look, I think so many of us would fall short. We need to make sure that we give of our calendar to the Lord. Now maybe some of you think you don't have a lot of flexibility. You just know how your tomorrow is going to be filled, how the next few days are going to be filled. Where would you possibly find time for something more? I don't think it's so much that God wants us to add more things onto our calendar. But what he wants us to do is to take the things that are currently on our calendar and make sure that every one of those things that we're doing is applying to this idea of us being a living sacrifice. So you don't have to make a lot of changes. You don't have to make a lot of additions. Instead, the things that you're busy with, make sure that those are things that you are being able to direct them to something that's acceptable to God, something that is good and perfect. Take a look at your calendar. How busy is it with things that are going to last for eternity? And then, something else that you can give. I brought my checkbook from home. Perhaps today, God is going to call you to take an account for how you spend your monies. It's amazing how easily we can check the way we spend our money, right? And we've got a register with all the record there. Sometimes we can look at a budget and see the line items. You can see exactly how much you are giving to the Lord. You can't take anything with you. You understand that, right? We cannot take one thing with us. The old expression, you never see a U-Haul on the back of a hearse. You'll never see it. 
You can't take anything along with you. God's made you stewards of these things here in this present world. He wants you to be a living sacrifice. Now, when we give to the Lord, that is oftentimes a part of worship. In fact, I think some people are prompted to give. They'll hear about a need and they're tending to the Holy Spirit. I've seen this again and again over the years and how they will give because the Lord's leading them that way. There are some people that pray of how they want to give, how they want to worship through giving. And very much so, the worship isn't when they drop the envelope in the offering box or the offering plate, but that worship comes when they're praying about how they might be able to use what God has trusted with them. Perhaps they write out the check in advance and that worship that comes. One, when God calls us to get up on the altar, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to look over here. And for me, I'll share with you my sins. I have good intentions. And I get up on there and I confess my sins to God, but then I wiggle off of that altar. And that's where I praise God for his patience. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being patient with me. Let me go and get back up on that altar. Be a living sacrifice. Before you can jump into all these things that the Apostle Paul is going to tell you to do, and they're wonderful, they're fantastic, but before you start to serve, before you start to invest in others, before you get so busy being obedient to all of these things, you must First, respond by giving your life as a life of spiritual worship. Because if you don't, that is a road that leads to bitterness and legalism. If you start to do B, C, D, E, and you are not first worshiping, you don't know why you're doing all these things, it turns into legalism. We need to make sure that we're being obedient with all these things he's going to call us to. But before we can do those, and before he is pleased with our sacrifice, he wants our worship. He's just spent time telling us about depth and the riches and the incredible blessings that it is to be his children. Paul responded at the end of chapter 11. Do you remember that? Where he gets done talking about all these wonderful truths, and then there is just this this outburst. Praise God who made all things. How can I be silent? And you, as you walk in this world, you should not be silent. And you should not be lost. Not just like the guy who shot some shots out in the woods and hope, hope runs into something. Be intentional. Be intentional about not allowing your life to be conformed to this world. And be intentional cleaning off all that contamination by God's word, renewing your mind. God's given you everything that you need. God allows you to have this life. You are a steward of it. What will you do? We're going to be going into those details in the next several weeks. But before you're going to be productive in any of those things, God first wants you to stop, be still, and know that he is God and has given his son for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look to you with the privilege that you hear us. I thank you that you hear my words even in this moment. Heavenly Father, would you calm our hearts right now?
even in the quietness of this moment, would you allow us just to stop and reflect on what we have? All this time we have spent studying these deep truths, these wonderful teachings and doctrines. And God, now as we're about to get busy, would you help us to stop and worship? Present my life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Such a short time we have here in this world. Would you help us not to waste it? Would you help us, when we squirm off that altar, to get back up on we thank you, Heavenly Father, that it doesn't have to be a life that is wasted. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that it's one that can be used where we will be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant at the end. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just as the piano plays through, I want to give you a chance to pray this morning. Maybe you're part of this service today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. Even while the piano plays, the gospel is this. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And if you will just ask God to forgive you, he will make you his daughter, make you his son. You can pray that prayer right now and become a Christian. If you've done that today, but there's an area that you're having a hard time giving over to the Lord, God wants you to be a living sacrifice. Take a moment and search your heart and pray for God to help you in that area that you need to give over to him.